Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is Loreforge, the podcast for Ashes of Creation. This is episode seven. We're here at the tavern again. We are your hosts. Sonny couldn't be here tonight, but I'm here. I'm Jibs, and I'm joined by my good buddy Cash. Hey, buddy. I think. Do you think Sonny works too much? Yes, but you do too. So there's that. <laughs> I think so. Well, the funny thing is, is that he's. I think he's at that point in his career where he's like taking all this extra training and like going to conferences and all that stuff. And I'm just like, uh, 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 uh. not doing it. Not <laughs> I don't want do any it. more of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that always a thing? Like when you were in, uh, like around his age, were you still doing the same? I mean, you're still doing essentially the same thing except minus the training and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, it, it's an interesting field cause you know, I, I still do, I still do quite a bit of training. It's just like the conferences away from home and stuff like that is that's kind of gotten old for me over the years. So Mm -hmm. I don't really do that unless it's something pretty specialized, but I'll still go. You know, there'll definitely be shows where I I won't be able to be here because of certain things. But, you know, it is the life of firemen. And then there's me with a regular schedule. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah, you're 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 the cornerstone. You're our you're our stability. You're our glue. Oh, well, welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for, again for hanging out with us. Push and play here at the Tavern today. Dude, there is a lot going on right now in the community. A lot of news stuff, which is kind of crazy because we haven't had like a good news cycle, I think, for a podcast, like for an episode of a show for us in prop since probably Lore Seekers. Uh, yeah, probably Ash's Creation. <laughs> It's, I feel like it's been a yeah. while since we've had a heavy news episode. Yeah, and it's, you know, I will say this, though. They are always trickling stuff out, which is really, really nice about Intrepid. Like, when we were when we were coming up in the MMO space years ago, development companies would not, game, develop, game developers would not do a whole lot of stuff like that. I mean, there may be something once a week, but with with the... Social media influx, it just seems like at any time Intrepid is dropping a question or pointing you in the direction of the forums or Reddit or somebody somebody that something's created like art-wise. So to me, it doesn't seem like there's ever a stop of information coming out of Intrepid. They really have that part kind of figured out and having that engagement like i'm not kidding you they they will engage with you on social media which is fantastic if you make a leave a comment like on instagram or on x or something like that they they're absolutely good about like getting getting back and leaving a comment even if it's just like a smiley face you're just like yes these are real people behind this stuff i love i love the cadence that they've set with that because they really are trying to build relationships i think that's pretty damn cool yeah, I agree. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. It's so funny you bring that up. I feel like, and this is not to disparage any other uh, MMO or company that, that's been tied to it that, you know, we've covered, but this has been probably the most active as far as regularly active, like interactive, you know, for for a company when it comes to social media. The social media team's absolutely crushing it. Used to, at least what we're used to dealing with or uh, being in interaction with is 
every now and then you may get a like or you and you know how life-changing that like was right it's like oh my gosh they yeah. favored it they saw it i'll never forget wild uh wild star the moment that they retweeted our tweet for when we first launched wildcast and they were talking about they've been listening to the episode all day at the office blah blah, blah. i'm just like <gasps> <laughs> I know it's like it's a heart stopper, but you know at the same time, I, it's good when companies realize how important that stuff is to their oh. to the people who love their game and are and are you know trying to create content for their game. It's a it's a big deal. Oh, it I means think, everything. Uh, it just just it really like does. a little grain really means a ton to to your creators and and they really they really really do have a great cadence and a great team, great social media presence. Absolutely fantastic. In fact, uh, it was uh, Stephen Sharif commented this past week. I think it was this past week. It was this past week or I don't remember which. But anyway, I was talking about our Node our node episode. I'm just like, oh my gosh, Stephen, thanks so much. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was just that's cool. really, really cool. And so it's cool to see, to see that sort of thing. And for everyone who's tuning in, so like we already kind of talked about, this is going to be a heavy, a heavy news episode. We are talking office hours for September. If you're listening on release day, that on Monday, that's actually tomorrow. Uh, then we're talking the last pre-order package that's been revealed. And then finally, the discussion round celebrated their sixth anniversary, which congratulations, everyone. That is awesome. Six years of creating yep. content in the Ashes space. And they had uh, Stephen Sharif on the episode. And so we're going to kind of comb through those questions a little bit and uh, chit-chat about it. So, Yeah. We have a big episode. <laughs> it's a big, it's a very big episode. Sonny will definitely be missed this week. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. True that. Yeah. True that. Well, let's just jump right in here, everybody. So office hours, village node discussion This coming to us from ashes of creation, official forums. So for those of you who are not uh, maybe foreign to what this actually is, office hours is an opportunity for where players can join in on the discussion and on topics. Intrepid is actively collecting feedback on you can join Russian uh, Roshan or Roshan I'm sorry and Vaknar from the community team over in the Ashes of Creation discord for a voice chat during this event now this is taking place on Tuesday September 19th so again really if you're listening on release day it's the day after at 2 p.m. EST 11 a.m. Pacific so quick note this is not a Q&A session uh, for this session what they'll do and it's actually very cool I've had the opportunity cash has as well we've been able to go into these and just listen they'll be using a discord a discord stage channel so every eight minutes roughly every eight minutes they'll be bringing up small groups of players to participate in one of the discussion prompts on the topics they're going to be covering they've got over five different questions they go through um, and it's it's really a great place to go and just hear feedback because you may hear cash i know when we went it's like you get to hear just different perspectives that you may not normally encounter. Right. You get to you get to not only hear feedback, but if you if you raise your hand in Discord, they'll there's a good chance I'll pick you to to talk. So you're hearing opinions from all kinds of people in the community, but if you want to say something yourself, you can give your opinion like that. That is absolutely what they're looking for here. And this is another example of how they're connecting with their community they don't have to do this no. like i've never seen anything like this um and they feel that it's important to hear from from their community as they develop ashes of creation and i think this is a fantastic thing i'm sure roshan and Vaknar probably have a whole bunch of other stuff that they're probably tasked with each day but they're taking time out during their office day 
to chat with the community and to get some feedback on stuff like that. It's it's very if you followed Ashes at all, it's very very apparent that it is important to Steven and the team to hear the things that we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's a certain level of transparency and really they're allowing themselves to be vulnerable to an extent, putting them right. themselves in front of their community where truthfully anything could be said. This isn't like an NFL game where you've got a five-second delay, you know? <laughs> like, they're putting themselves front-facing uh, front in front of the community and just kind of listening. And I really appreciate... I, oh, well. I don't, did the video come out? Yeah, our transparency YouTube video? Yeah, I think that one's out. Yep, yeah. yep, that's out. Yeah, okay, so I wanted to reference that, but I didn't... If we were, <laughs> I'm getting confused at what's out and what's not out at this point. But... Going back to transparency and kind of how we talked about it in that video, it's just seeing that level of transparency in a company, it's so different. And our death, one of our community members over at the Loreforge Discord brought it up. Uh, he made a post about the Lord of the Rings Amazon MMO that's that's in development. And it's probably every bit of, we assume, what, probably six to eight years out, whatever that looks like. But and ever since then, that post that they made with that logo, and I think that was a few months ago at this point, it's been silent, very silent. And I don't know, because I wasn't there, I don't know what what the very beginnings of development with Ashes looked like. I know there was the Kickstarter, and of course, we've all read through that. And I just don't know how quickly they became so transparent with their community. But I just you just really see this parallel between Intrepid and then, and I used Amazon as an example, but there's many others that you could really just pick one. When you go and you compare Intrepid to other companies, there's a certain level of transparency that is just, it's still to me, and my rant, it's still to me, it's, it's just unheard of. It just feels different, you know? And it's nice to see. That's a good summary. It just feels different. And if anybody's followed MMOs before, it's very hard to deny that this this cadence and this this feel that we are getting from them is really not the norm. Right. You know, so I love it. It's a good place to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there is that. So make sure if you want to listen in or go to their Discord now, and that is actually during the day. I won't be able to make it this time. I'll be working. <laughs> I'll be teaching my class at the time, but... Anyway, for everyone who is a part of the community, go check it out. Next, the Unseen Order pre-order package. The final pre-order package is out, Cash. Mm-hmm. I, I, went, I went diving for it yesterday. Yeah? And then, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this one actually looks pretty cool. They, I th really think that they I said it was going to be spooky. They nailed it. It's pretty spooky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a whole, and we're going to kind of summarize the initial lore bio that's on this, but in the world of, and by the way, this is coming to us massacreation.com. In the world of Ash the Creation, there is a group called the Unseen Order that, is, that believes in achieving power, prosperity, and abundance through ritual blood sacrifice. <laughs> uh, okay. Initially, they were a small community aiming to improve their harvest, but they evolved into a dark and mysterious cult obsessed with domination. They performed complex rituals of blood magic, requiring specific tools and rare spell components. Successful su 
sacrifices result in months of prosperity, but also an increasing number of innocent victims slaughtered by the cultists. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that seems that seems a little maybe PG-13-ish uh, plus on that one. But it's, uh, it is good because it's, you know, we are approaching Halloween. Thank the Lord that Halloween is on the way uh, and summer is going bye-bye. I am very, very happy with these packs. I, I dig the the different flavors that they're putting in here. And when I say different, I mean, you look at, I know we talk Nakua all the time because they're, they're just so darn fun, but you look at like the, the way the Nakua's one was, and that's how vastly different the world of Vera is going to be, is you're just going to have these happy-go-lucky dwarves on, on one side of the spectrum, something all the way into like this freaking gnarly blood-leeching cult <laughs> on the other side of the same continent. You know what I mean? So I love the fact that they're, they're putting all this kind of lore into the game. And really, when you look at the lore, if you guys have not read the lore on some of these cosmetic skins and packs... You've got to do it. And I'm, I'm going to go just, I'm just going to grab one right here and I'm just going to read it to you. Okay, so this is the Remnant Sympathizer. And this is the cosmetic skin of what the cultists actually look like. For members of the Unseen Order that have not yet claimed a collector's touch, there are other roles to fill. One such role is that of a Remnant Sympathizer. It is the duty of these armored servants to protect and guard the sacrificial remnants while they obediently follow the orders given to them by the cult's leaders. The armor of a remnant sympathizer is fashioned from the bones of fallen sacrificial remnants, making it durable, lightweight, and nigh on indestructible. <laughs> it's so quick uh, visual summary here. Uh... There is a lot of red dripping blood covered in bones. Yes. <laughs> it looks like they just got done making a sacrifice and they did not wear an apron. <laughs> didn't wear an apron? <laughs> no, there's no apron on that. Like they just, they soaked in it, which is, it's gnarly. The, just these big giant bone horn things on their head. It looks like it's actually, it's actually like a skull. And yeah. then uh, just, if you remember, like, Chitin armor? Oh, is it called Chitin? I think it's Chitin. Is it Chitin? Okay. I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm, okay. I've said it both ways. I'm not mad at you. Okay. Chitin, Chitin, you know what we're talking about. Anyway, that's what it kind of looks like, but soaked in blood. Dude, so, nice way pull. creepier. Yeah, but this, the entire pack is very reminiscent of, like, kind of like a Dark Brotherhood type vibe, if, oh. if you ask me. I mean, it's very sanguine oh yeah very right. very vampire friendly yeah man they say it was going to be dark but you're talking about those those sympathizers and you're i'm seeing femur bones i'm seeing small skulls which could represent children like they've sacrificed or um possibly elk with the top and bison i mean you're seeing everything under the sun yeah gnarly they're probably eating well. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I'm sure they're saying well, the one on the right, he's a pretty thick boy there. I mean, he's uh, he's holding his protein. You um, Do you think they only eat meat and liver? I'm definitely thinking they're on the carnivore diet. 
like the liver king. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're doing it again this week. Someone's oh. going to love that. We're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. Oh, it's so good. So this is really, really awesome. You have the drain dwelling, the freehold large house building cosmetic skin, which is legitimately a giant home framed out in bones and blood. <laughs> yeah, that one is going to be weird sitting like in the middle of the riverlands or in the middle of some coastal coastal node. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're just, you know, you're <laughs> hum hoeing along. Everything's fine. Doodly doodly doo. Especially if it's in the winter. Like, let's say you're in the the, fro- the f- snow-fallen winter that's going on in the northern mountains or whatever with the dunes and kill. You're just doing your thing, and you come across a dripping blood house with with all the just bones everywhere. Just absolutely out of place. <laughs> Do you think that you think the nope factor is going to be pretty high if you come around the corner and see that? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Nope. That's a big I'm nope. I'm out. That's a that's big, big nope. nope. I wonder if there's guilds that are that have financially invested in a way that they like poignantly will buy certain things and then when it comes to fighting or comes to their their housing you know because you know there's going to be people who from the same guild who try to get freeholds next to each other and try to work together i wonder if there's communities that are actively working together to make these purchases because can you imagine having an army of those dudes running at you with massive blades nope yeah <laughs> that would be terrifying, but it would be awesome for roleplay. Oh, amazing for roleplay. And then yeah. they'd be riding that sacrificial remnant mount, with, which, by the way, just, I don't know how to describe it. Huge arms. It actually reminds, if you've seen the new King Kong movie, the very first uh, remake of King Kong, the main enemy he fights in there has two just huge, long front arms, short, stubby legs, just gnarly looking there it is super gnarly looking i don't mean to like to pivot on you here but we may have just found what is going to be the catalyst for the holiday event in ashes of creation do tell so with this sacrificial remnant and and admittedly i did not read this one but this is a mount cosmetic skin this is the explanation for it the lore behind it on the 31st of Oletus, the traditional Varen holiday known as Demontide. The Unseen Order conducts an annual ceremony they call the Collection at the stroke of middle tonight, or at the stroke of middle night, which I assume is midnight. Any members of this sect who possess a collector's touch glove gather to conduct a blood crazed invocation and summoning ritual. A torch-lit forest clearing is filled with a cacophony of maniacal, disembodied laughter and the grinding, rumbling, and snapping of bones. Limbs and body parts from an untold variety of creatures animate and combine, forming the shambling, undead abominations known as sacrificial remnants, which is what this mount is. These large, many-headed beasts drag themselves about on their hands and knees, scraping the ground with their oversized knuckle bones as they faithfully obey the orders of the cult leaders. Now, if you caught the beginning of that, that gives us a couple of little hints here. So, on the 31st of Oletus, 31st, as you know, Halloween is typically October 31st, Oletus, 
is probably the October of Vera. So this does give us some kind of a calendar. We know we are going to have some type of a, a calendar scale system in Vera, which is fantastic. And I'm excited about this because I was recently looking for something like this for our Ashes Archives videos. And now this actually confirms that there's going to be a calendar of some kind. And the Varen holiday known as Demontide. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sounds a lot like a Halloween event type holiday to me. Amazing. Just think how creepy that's going to be. Let's say that's the thing. And you're out in the forest, you're gathering, doing your thing, right? It's night. You just happen to be there. And all of a sudden you start hearing some grinding. Deep maniacal laughter going on. Rumbling of the trees, the forest snapping of bones just and you just feel the whole the, the music changes the ambience changes oh <laughs> I can hear I want it to be I think I peed a little <laughs> oh that is crazy wow yep wow oh yeah wow, wow, pretty wow. cool yeah this is a cool good. this is a cool pack you guys and don't forget this is the last one this is the last one that's a good point thanks for bringing that up so for those of you who are Thinking about picking this up, this you have some time on this, and good on them for thinking past December for this. So, this is available right now through January seventeenth of twenty twenty four. So you've got all the rest of the year. If you collect any money around the holidays, whatever it is, and you're thinking about diving in, this is truly the final, final pre order pack. But I mean, you have the most time I think they've ever offered, truthfully, for a single pack. So I love that, at least on this final package, that they're really giving their community, okay, we get it. It's tight during the holidays, it, especially if you are if you have a family, your parents, you're buying, you've got multiple children that you're buying for, family that you're buying for. Here, let's keep this going through the beginning of the year, and you can still buy into Alpha 2, Betas, etc., Yep, you're going to ask for money for Christmas. That's right. What do you want for Christmas? Ashes. You can buy this. <laughs> what do you want for Ashes? Demon Tide. <laughs> I want Demon Tide, Mom. <laughs> you what? Oh, that's so good. So anyway, check that out, the Unseen Order. And I think that's something that's... Yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more lore on some of the pre other pre-order packages, packages that have been offered as well. That's... Uh, Quite a bit to go through on that. That's for sure. Yep. That stuff's on the wiki, right? I think so. If not, yep. I think a lot of that's on their website. So so there's that. Yep. So yeah, the discussion round, take it. Yeah. So uh, guys, if you didn't get to see the discussion round, which happened, I think this past Saturday for us, um, discussion round had their sixth anniversary of covering uh, Ashes and they celebrated in a very grand way. It was really, really well done. They did a really good job uh, with an interview with Stephen. And of course, anytime Stephen talks, people are paying attention. And you know, Lex is like, they're just like, okay, I'm just going to record this and then I'm going to dictate it later because there's going to be a lot of stuff to cover. And Discussion Round was actually doing the same thing live. They were, you know, kind of taking notes and summarizing stuff. And it was, they did a really nice job. So 
Anyway, there was a bunch of questions. There was what seventeen questions that they that they asked, or just points that they were requesting Stephen to kind of hit on a little bit. And we're we're gonna we're gonna hit on a, on a few of these here. I think there's um, there's just definitely too much to cover. I mean, we'd really be going right back over all the things that that they said and kind of recreating the interview. So we don't want to do that. But we are going to hit on some of these ones that really look pretty interesting to us. One of the first ones that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit is actually the first question was in regards to the healing. And from what I could gather was the healing in the game that's that was showed through the cleric update video. Anyway, it was, is there too much healing in Ashes of Creation? And I kind of did like the Scooby-Doo, like, like what? (laughs) Uh, And I'm really glad that Steven answered this question the the way that he did. And I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on this too, Jibs. But basically, Steven very eloquently said, like, so, so, okay, that's fine. But this is, we're not even in Alpha 2 yet. And we have, have had, like, no data to be able to balance this stuff yet. So just keep in mind that Ashes of Creation is aiming to be a more difficult, a more difficult leveling experience. So balancing is going to take place. Like a lot of balancing is going to take place in Alpha 2 and after. And a lot of tuning is, is going to take place. So anyway, I guess I say this to just maybe kind of echo what Steven was saying. Like just... <gasps> Take a deep breath, everybody. Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be balanced out. Anything that you see like right now is not the final product of what Ashes is going to ship with. So just like give it a little time. But anyway, he very eloquently answered that question. But Jibs, isn't that like something that we're seeing a lot of or that you will see a lot of in game development is people just thinking that this is the end all be all just because it was shown one time in a showcase. Yeah, and that could be that could be several things. It could be maybe someone's first time ever following the development of an MMO. Uh, maybe that oh, is this what it? Assuming that hey, this could be what it is. It could be. It, it could be a number of things, but I think at the end of the day, it's just a, kind of like the what Steven said, and it's very true. It's very accurate. This hasn't really been tested heavily yet. What happened two years ago, and I don't remember the amount of testers they had on Alpha 1. I wish I had that number in front of me. But we know that for Alpha 2, they've hit their number, and I believe that was 100,000. So the amount of data that you're able to attain from Alpha 1 numbers to Alpha 2, let's just say even if 50,000 people get in that, okay, that is a large sum of people. Plus you have the continued feedback that takes place throughout the alpha so you're going to see these things change and so whenever you're watching these videos keep that in mind that and and steven already said it for us but these things are going to change over time and i would the way i like to look at this is and maybe it's the content creator in me but the way i like to look at this is it's exciting because you get to see how this changes over time. I can't answer the question if there's too much healing in Ashes of Creation right now. It's not been tested. I haven't tested it. You haven't tested it. Nobody that we know in our Discord has has tested the healing. And it's just hard to make that call right now. By the way, if anybody in our Discord has tested the healing, we don't know about it. You better speak up. (laughs) 
You run into problems, find out you're a developer. <laughs> That's not happening. No. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And you guys just watch, just watch. Balance will be one of the top aspects of Ashes of Creation that will be, it will be messed with every single patch. It'll be, that will really be the big uh, sink for the development team. And they know it. Like these are, these are MMO players. These are MMO developers. They understand how important balance is and how much of a time sink that it is going to be, what amount of time and research and uh, data is going to be needed in order to make balance correct. And we, I think we talked about it before on, on one of our shows that when you have 64 possible classes, you are going to have a hell of a time getting everything balanced. So that's what all of this stuff is for. That's what this development time is for. That's what Alpha 2 is going to be for in the beta and all that stuff. So be uh, be patient with that one. They did talk about uh, more uh, healing being more proactive than reactive. They had a pretty decent discussion on that as well. And uh, again, Stephen very eloquently was just talking about how you're going to have your kit to build. So there's going to be some skills that are going to be more proactive, some that are more reactive, and you're going to have your your kit that you're going to be able to put together for your different um, for your different uh, builds that you're going to need for certain situations. Uh, they talked about anti-healing measures in Ashes, and another pretty interesting thing here. I was pretty interested in this one, but they talked about the fighter class jibs. Yeah, they really did, and I think that that is going to be a pretty cool discussion because that is the most probably general class that any person from any RPG, I, I think of all the way back to playing Gauntlet in the arcade and playing the fighter class. Like that is one of the most probably that, and you probably could argue maybe the rogue and or the wizard or mage, one of the most staple classes in a RPG period. And so having that discussion on here, the combat team is currently working on the fighter and they actually mentioned a class ability called Momentum, which has a rage-type effect where the fighter becomes stronger as he takes and deals damage. Ooh, buddy. That right yeah. there is going to be amazing to watch. It is. It is. And it's like it's like uh, berserking or berserking. Yeah. You know, when you have a character that just they're getting to that blood rage. A lot of games have this kind of mechanic, especially behind, like... Um, like dual wielding classes or like a barbarian type class or a fighter warrior type class, they'll have this this rage thing that you just you go into this blood blood frenzy. And uh and this they happen to be calling this momentum, which I think is is pretty damn cool. So you got this guy's just in this complete berserking frenzy, and the more he takes hits and the more he does damage, he gets stronger. And I'd imagine that's not gonna last for long. That's probably gonna going to be an ability that's you know probably on a pretty decent cooldown timer but at the same time if you can call when that dude's gonna gonna pop that <laughs> you might want to get out of his way for a minute <laughs> oh you know? absolutely that's one of those like five or six second long abilities with like a two to three minute cooldown like <laughs> oh yeah like that is that is imagine okay so imagine you have five fighters on your team you're in a pvp siege and the cluster, the fight, the big blob of people is all there. 
They all open with momentum when everyone collides. All the AoE heals are going down at that point. It's just going to be a tug of war watching, I mean, unfolding in front of you. It's stuff like that, or like where those stories, because imagine how it's going to feel, too, as a fighter. You pop momentum, you're doing your thing, you're taking a ton of damage, you're taking in a lot of healing, and in return, you are dishing a ton of damage. We talk balancing, that's something that's definitely going to have to be balanced, but regardless, that's going to be really cool to watch, man. Yeah, it is. And and team like team when you have abilities like that, it's that's where team strategy comes in too, because you have your healers are gonna have to know what those cues are and when momentum is being popped, especially if if like their main tanks are on another fighter, right? And so they're gonna know where when to throw their shields on, when to increase heals, if the fighter itself or the the opponent of that fighter is gonna have to know when that thing pops. You know, you just see like you see some animation and then the fighter just goes Rawr! throws his arms back. It's like, oh crap. <laughs> it's, it's coming. Something's <laughs> happening. Hide the children. <laughs> yeah, it's like dodge roll, dodge roll, dodge roll. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I, I dig that. That one actually sounded oh. uh, sounded really interesting to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I can't wait to see that. They also talked about the uh, Guild Wars and Nodes, didn't they? They did. So the question came up about keeping the guild wars or the the node conflicts fresh without you know the same thing happening over and over again well steven was was very good about explaining and and reminding folks how these are going to be very dynamically objective based events that take place and because the guild wars are going to be more objective based they're not just going to they're not going to be decided like the winner of these things is not going to be decided by just some kill count like the guild or the side that has the highest kills is not going to be the is not going to be the guild that wins on these. There's a lot of different aspects that are going to go in to uh, that will serve as like predicates to determine kill objectives, control objectives. Like he was even saying, like, there's so many different things that could tell the winner of this like all these dynamic events that will spawn and then after a certain amount of time the the guild that has been more successful or has put more effort towards uh these objectives is going to end up being the winner so one of those things actually was these uh control objectives um was caravan summons like you could have a dynamically spawning caravan that all of a sudden, like, oh, crap, like we have supplies that are going from point A to point B and we have to get that there in order to gain points in this node war. And you have to protect it. So it's like it's forcing you into, into like these conflicts, because, as you know, once a caravan spawns and gets past a certain point, that caravan is an open PVP spot. So it could either be opposing guilds that are coming to attack that caravan it could be a guild that has nothing to do with it they're just a bunch of raiders like that's what they do they're a bunch of bandits so just the potential for for role play and the potential for variation in the way that these node wars are decided is pretty dang intriguing to me at this point that's going to be really interesting kind of going back to the caravan summons you know, when those pop, 
assuming that's some that's out of your node, regardless if it's your guild or not, I wonder how many people from the node, because it's a guild from their node and they know them, because you'll you'll get to know who's you know what guilds are around. You'll see you'll get familiar with names, especially in a map that's as big as this and the server cap is about ten thousand. Which, you know, server cap, that's an, that's another discussion. We should have that sometime. But imagine... 10,000. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of people. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of people. Yep. <laughs> so, but um, I wonder how many... My point is, I wonder how many people will just jump in to help this guild. And, and I don't know if that's an... Can they do that? Can another... Like, if it's open, can other, can other people come assist you? That, you know, like... That I want to see. I want to see what that looks like. Because yeah. when you have alliances between guilds, and, and I'm assuming that they can, but when you have alliances between guilds and you're bringing in help that truly helps that guild out, well, guess what? Then that that alliance really does begin to form. Oh, remember when those dudes came and helped, you know, came and helped that one time? Oh, you know, remember that? Remember this? It would make sense if they could. And I think that'd be really cool if they could, to be honest with you. Communication is going to be a huge thing in this. There are going to be guilds on servers that create alliances and have servers that have discord servers specifically for that alliance oh, with yeah. leaders and reinforcements. And I could just imagine this taking place where you have a, a caravan or some type of a, a ground-based objective in order to keep your node flourishing. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And then you imagine just this ground battle in some way where there's where there's an objective that has to be obtained or has to be uh, gained, and you have these squads and little pockets of troops surrounding this objective, and they're being called in at the appropriate time by leadership, and the other maybe the other guild has no idea that they're there, and here and here they come. Maybe the other guild has scouts scouting the outskirts of the area of the general battle area to make sure that there's no reinforcements coming so they can relay that information and they can do little, you know, skirmish guerrilla attacks. I mean, there's so much potential here, you guys, for some really insane gameplay. And this is what we were talking about in our last episode when we were, when we were saying, actually, I think it was a, one of the five minute opinions I did recently when this is, where your memories are going to be made is in sieges and it's the player versus player stuff where it's guild v guild, whether it's diplomatic or it's an actual physical contact with, with other players. The, these are where your stories are going to be told when everybody gets together, whenever they decide to have ashes of creation con or intrepid con in Vegas or those are hints. Like, let's go to Vegas. <laughs> um, but when those things are taking place and you're meeting like your, your friends, your foes from your server and you're doing it over a beer in a bar and you're just like laughing and having a great time and telling these stories. This is what it's about. This kind of stuff, these kind of mechanics that Intrepid's building into ashes is what is just going to absolutely blow our minds. I agree a thousand percent. And I can't wait to have those conversations and have someone who's from the opposing team there and chatting like, so what was happening? You know, just like getting the whole understanding. So I want to ask you this on a caravan. I don't think I've ever asked you this, especially point blank in the middle of a show. 
in the caravan, where are you at? What are you like? Where are you at? What are you doing? For my well, I mean, it's it's funny because it depends on what class you're playing. Um, for me, I as a ranger, if that ends up being what I go with, I don't know. It's too early to tell, Jibs. You're asking a lot of questions. You have a lot of great <laughs> questions. Uh, if I'm a ranger, I'm I'm in the tree line. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. I am absolutely in the tree line, watching, waiting, judging. Uh, trying to see if there's any ambushes coming like that is my job would would be to be a scout just paralleling the caravan um not a heavy armor hitting dude so i probably wouldn't want to take the first arrows from the tree line which is probably where they're going to come from i want to be the guy scouting ahead relaying information and then you know weaving back through the trees as silently as i can to to engage if something happens yeah agreed how about you uh full-on rogue I'm going full on rogue. It's either going to be rogue, rogue, or rogue ranger to have the. So it's either going to be assassin or the predator class, and that's exactly what I want to do. I don't want to be anywhere near that cart. I want to be far away from it, scouting, relaying information, and calling targets. Truthfully, when it comes to, well, I say battlegrounds, but that was Warcraft. Really, when it comes to PvP in general, I'd much rather be the person to call out tactical things that are coming or things to watch out for or hey on your left or on your three o'clock you know incoming you know just giving people that surround sound if you will of just making them aware of their surroundings and what's going on and what's happening so yeah you have you have a lot of skill in that like we've we've, jibs and i've done a lot of pvp together and he's always been very very good at uh battleground tactics and calling a lot of calling targets out oh man there's nothing there's nothing like calling out a target and just dunking on that person <laughs> and just watching them delete oh. from the server. <laughs> I distinctly remember. So for all of you who are listening, you've probably been following along. We've transitioned from Warcraft now or New World playing, which oddly enough, there's a lot in New World that we're seeing in Ashes. And that's probably another conversation to have about how Ashes is pulling in other content from upcoming yeah. or released MMOs. But anyway. I distinctly remember you and I being in a battleground. I think it was the Azerite battleground where you're farming the Azerite and whoever gets to 1,500 wins uh, wins right. the whole battleground. We're talking Warcraft. We're, yes, you're I'm sorry. Warcraft. We're talking Warcraft yeah. now. Yes, thank you. Yep. And I remember you and I both being, and this was just weeks ago, we were on our rogues because we were leveling rogues for the sole purpose of PvP. And, and of course, in Discord, you and I are calling out, okay, stun. And so you can just keep them stun locked. You're following up with another stun, and then I'm coming back with another one. But, dude, I distinctly remember us opening up on a priest, and the priest was there, and then he wasn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Just watch the health bar just go. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is definitely MFing us right yeah. now. Sits in his chair, probably in mom's basement. Absolutely. Or he's like us. <laughs> I just wanted to relax on my day off. Effing rogues. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'll tell you what, it does. It does make for some intriguing thoughts on what classes you might want to play. You might be looking at things like guild wars and how and how these wars between the nodes are going to work. And you may be trying to flush out what you want your role to be. It could completely change what you choose. Oh, yeah. So it's and I love that. I love that the, these game systems are going to drive player choice. And be driven by player choice, if that makes sense. You know, your player agency is what is is what is going to 
make or break a lot of these systems uh, working and, and how results come out of who now owns a node is your player choice. But at the same time, the way that they've built these systems is making you decide how you want to play their game. And I just I just love it. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. OK, I think we should keep clicking along here because. You and I could talk Battleground Tactics forever and probably put to sleep all the crafters who are listening to our show or the people that just want a freehold. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's fair. All right, so we'll keep clicking along. Um, another thing they talked about was castle layouts, and uh, we won't spend too much time here, but they talked about there being five different castle layouts that you could choose from. You can deploy traps and blockades and hire mercenaries and put them where you want. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Talked about a little bit about how castle sieges were won and what the victory conditions are. Uh, the important thing here is that I thought it was very interesting that in order to win a castle siege, you are going to have to fight a raid boss, which is cool. And that Steven is a really big fan of castle style gameplay and rewarding the risk here. Um, so one of the things I thought were freaking amazing is that when you're doing this castle siege, you're going to have to fight a raid boss. And I assume other guilds can, like, come in and try and F with you while you're doing that. And <laughs> it was one of these other questions that, that, that comes up uh, in this interview is, well, how, how are you going to handle that? Like, if, say, you're fighting a raid boss and the raid boss is telegraphing in a certain direction, could you, like, aim him toward the other guild that's attacking you? And he's like, yeah. He said, you guys, like, player agency, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're building that into the game so you can you can do that if he's gonna freaking launch if you're fighting a dragon and they're gonna launch some massive fire attack launch it at the freaking boneheads that are trying to ruin your freaking raid and so i just i'm like yes that is the best thing right there it's so freaking cool yeah it really is and that is like i just i know this is a theme box but i think it's a theme box because it's it's adapting to the times of MMOs. I don't think a straight sandbox could succeed anymore. The way that it was. The way that it once, the way that it once was. As far as in a grander scale. But being that it's a theme box and you kind of hold them by the hand just a little bit. But then you you let them make the decision on stuff. Then you just, like, it just kind of opens up to them. Decisions like that, I'm just like... I have so many plans are going to get ruined because I realize of all the things I can do and partake of. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the best part about that is that you're going to have all these grand ideas about plans and somebody else is going to have grand ideas about how to ruin your plans. Yeah. That is what this player agency, what this PVX environment is going to bring. And yeah. I just, I, the, the, there's no limits. There's really very few limits to how creative you can get on how to either help or hinder your your foes or your allies. And I just I'm just loving it. So. Oh, yeah. OK, so let's uh, let's click along here. World boss timers. There's going to be some on timers. There are going to be some world bosses where their spawn is predicated on world events and changes and things that you do in the world. So maybe you're harvesting too much in one area and I don't know, maybe an ant shows up and just like <laughs> rips Isengard <laughs> reminds <half>. you, <laughs> reminds you <laughs> to stop cutting down their damn trees. Uh, I don't know. I don't that is that going to be a thing? That's what it sounds like to me. That's kind of how it sounds like 
um, some of these world boss timers and spawn rates are going to happen. It's just based on things that you do in the world. Now, some are on timers, but some are really going to be predicated off of these world events and changes and what players do. What's that? What is the real life holiday that is trees, like planting trees? Like it's Arbor Day. Ar- Arbor Day? Arbor Day. That's when I want the ends to come out. The Vera's version of ends to come out based off of when you're cutting that down. That would be hilarious. On Arbor Day. On Arbor that Day. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I- I'm not kidding you. Like, I'm going back to the to the dates. I know we were talking about October and, and its equivalent in Vera. I am dying to see that calendar. Oh. I'm dying for that. Okay. Absolutely. I'm, Absolutely. I'm spinning off the rails here. No, okay. no, no. No, you're fine. So one of the other things that they that they talked about is DPS meters. I know you definitely want to talk about this one and and what your your thoughts are on this. But anyway, there will be no DPS meters in Ashes of Creation. What do you think about that? I love it. I love it. Take away the focus on where you've got your little DPS meter windows. Take away the overlays that are built upon your game that other uh, that, that I know actively are happening in other games. Forget all of that. And focus about what's in front of you. That's it. Forget about add-ons. Forget about all of that. And just immerse yourself into the game. You're going to know who hits like a truck. You're going to know. And, and I'm assuming, truthfully, what I could see people doing is setting, like, there being a certain mob that people would need to kill based off of time. And they time it. How long it takes someone to kill something. I could see that happening in the game as a supplement to this. However, that's probably another discussion. And I feel like the fact that this this game, Ashes of Creation, is not going to have these tools, I love it. It brings immersion. It takes away toxicity. It takes away dependency on outlying factors outside of the game that doesn't dictate your in-game enjoyment. You know? It's just, that is how you do it. Now, granted, since they're doing that, there will have to be... Let's take away DPS meters for a second. Speaking to UI... Like, there will have to be, make sure that there's certain things that are there with no support of add-ons. But I, I love that. I love the fact there's no meters. I love the fact there's no add-ons. I enjoy games that are like that. SWOTOR is like that. Uh, I think Guild Wars 2 is. I'm not sure. I don't, maybe they do. Anyway, point being is I love games that are very, in, in a game that constantly changes and we know how much MMOs change, there's always that constant that, as far as a vanilla experience is concerned, no add-ons just your player experience i love it i agree now um steven's idea on this is that he he's more of an old school gamer he prefers that classic approach where you you have you're gonna have to base your decisions and your you know say your decisions on putting a group together or have to base your own performance off of your experiences within the game now knowing gamers just like you were saying, there will end up being some kind of a benchmark for some kind of a scale for measuring one's DPS. I guarantee you. So if you had that static mob that was out in the world and you had somebody or yourself set a timer and click a timer for how long it takes you to take that thing down solo, then you're your DPS might not necessarily be measurable. Now, we've already established that I'm really crappy at math. So I don't know if something could be thought of for that, but it could be just based on time. 
yeah, our our one of our new DPS guys took down uh, the Schnibble Schnob in, you know, 14 seconds, 14.6. That time could be your benchmark. I don't know. Gamers are going to figure something out. I guarantee you they're going to figure something out. So I am a big fan of no DPS meters in a game. And I, I think even though I have been a slave to DPS meters over over the years trying to maximize, I'm definitely a min-maxer. I will definitely do anything that I can to pump out the most damage if that's the type of class that I'm playing. Or same thing with healing. But it does, and this was a point that was brought up by Steven, it does introduce a toxic kind of antisocial effect on your community where people are not allowed in. And, and trust me, this is something that we have fought in, in running communities over the years. This is something that we have fought tooth and nail to eliminate. To us, unless you are a 100% hardcore, this is, we're, we're pushing content, that's all we do. You have to hit these numbers, which we don't like or agree with. There are communities out there that are like that. Our communities are, anybody comes in, joins, has fun, will help you get better. Now, that doesn't mean that our communities have not had benchmarks for like our top tier content pushing groups, because you do, you have to set some limits there. But to create some kind of a antisocial effect where you're barring people from being part of what you're doing because you're not hitting certain numbers and stuff. There is a place for that, but as an overall thing, which DPS meters would be an overall thing in a game, it just creates a better environment when you don't have those benchmarks in place or the ability for you to not include somebody because of something like that, where you could instead help them get better. Um, show them the things to do, help them go get gear, better gear. Uh, it just creates a more friendly environment, I think, with keeping those things out. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, muddling along here, what do we got here? So multiple gear sets, is that going to be a thing in Ashes of Creation? Well, yes, it is, my friends. You Ooh. are going to be able to access a loadout system within your inventory that you can, out of combat, of course, hotkey and change your armor sets with a press of a button. That's so convenient. Yay! I love that. <laughs> so convenient. Yeah, I love it too. And for as for as hardcore as ashes may seem in some spots, there's still going to be a good amount of convenience. Those conveniences that we love um, are going to be there. So there'll be conveniences and things like this, but perhaps not convenience in having a DPS meter or having a dungeon finder. What do you think about that, Jibs? I love it. I mean, there's there's a balance, right? There's got to be a balance between conveniences and things that aren't so convenient, things to protect your experience. You know, there is... So I'm going to use the example you just gave on DPS meters. There, While we want to make people better, you know, whenever we, we invite... And we're very open... Anytime we've done like trials in ESO, I remember being very open about bringing people in and, you know, we would help them out, etc. However, and that was, you, we'll just say that was a layer of convenience, okay? This is not, I'm just using it as an example, okay? A fictionary example. 
Now, to protect the rest of the player's experience, you had to have something that wasn't as convenient, which was a somewhat of a benchmark about gear, gear that you had to have. So that way you could protect other people's experience. So you had to have these baseline benchmarks, kind of per se, okay? So in other words, what I'm trying to say is I love when an MMO has conveniences, good conveniences, but there are things that are more difficult for you to attain, things that are, are not let, that are not as convenient because that protects your experience whether you realize it or not. The moment that you start making everything convenient, you start to lessen the experience. In my personal opinion, when World of Warcraft automatically gave you all of your flight training, all, to, all of your mount training, it took away an experience for me. Because I felt like, uh, I mean, I know that's something very minute, but that was something that, that was an achievement. That felt good to go and know that I am finally able to go to that person, that NPC, and train that skill. It meant something. And so I love that there's a balance. There has to be a balance because the MMO of 2023 is not the MMO of 2004. However, you have to make sure you're protecting the player's experience as well by not offering too many conveniences. I agree there. And and a good example for me on maybe a, maybe a little bit of a larger scale is the say you don't have a DPS meter in your game because you just don't want that ability to take somebody remove somebody's ability to do it just because their their dps isn't as high right that i would rather see that go away and i would rather see more more of a focus on things like what type of gear they have what type of augments they're running um because if you, those are things that you can control and things that you can earn, but you might have players out there that just, they just can't parse on a target dummy as well as others can, but what they can do. That was me. It, right. And dude, like, trust me, your DPS was never a factor, but like, I remember spending hours in ESO on, on target dummies at my own house just to get my rhythm down and bring my DPS up. And I had great DPS at, at, at times, right? But if you didn't, if you couldn't get that practice in, then because you had to hit certain DPS numbers in order to be it, it brought into some of these groups for the end game content, the harder content, then you just weren't able to be a part of that. But if you were to take that same thing, and we're talking, we're still talking kind of multiple gear sets here. If you can still take that, if you could take that same thing the same concept of having to having to be able to do better and have better, make it based around your gear. What gear are you using? What augments are you running? How can we help you get that? I really think that that is it's a better benchmark than just numbers on on a board. And I know we're kind of going back to that but i really i think that there's just better ways to do things and i'm really happy to see ashes is kind of making a hard a hard line on some of that stuff agreed okay so i think one of, one of the last things we're going to hit here is earning golden ashes the question was how like what are the primary methods of earning gold in ashes of creation and what steven said with this one was was pretty interesting i know that i've read over this before but this was a really good refresher on how that actually happened so 
the primary method of earning cash, gold, in Ashes of Creation is going to be through a certificate system. And the way that works is you will go out into the world, you're going to do quests, you're going to kill enemies, you're going to complete events and earn achievements and all that stuff. And when you do, you're going to be given certificates as as your your reward. And within your zone of influence, you're going to take those certificates back and turn them into hunting lodges for either gold, just flat out gold, or other commodities. So that could be resources. Um, it could be any number of things that you could use as commodities. Now, those commodities can be used within your zone of influence for the maximum amount that they're worth. But if, as you start to get further away from where those commodities were earned, it sounds like it's going to be kind of like on a sliding scale and there's going to be a decline in the worth of some of that stuff as you get further away from your node. Your gold, however, most likely will not. That's just, that's going to retain its, its, um, its value. But I thought this was a really interesting system. And I, I like, I like the fact that they're going to do something like this that's a little bit different to where you're not going to have, like, say you go out and, and you're, you're a hunter, which is really what I plan to do, uh, and, and get really good in skinning and selling those skins. I hope a system like this where you're taking skins into a hunting lodge and turning them in, those are acting as your certificates, and you're going to turn those in for items, for gold, as opposed to having the Sword of a Thousand Truths drop off of a, the dead corpse of a wolf. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. How did you get that in your stomach, dude? That is a hard you know swallow. What I mean? That's what that is. Oof. Yeah, it's a sword-swallowing circus wolf. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, I, like, how often have you had that happen where you have a pouch of coins drop off of an alligator like okay did you eat the merchant and now i've had to dig through your intestines in order to find that like i just like the realism a little bit more realism in, in loot drops and i think that's kind of pretty cool that they're doing it like that oh yeah i agree like for instance today playing new world i looted a spear off of a small wolf how is that working man because normally i'm skewering on you on that thing over a campfire you know what i mean so like yeah. I get it. I think yeah. it's cool. I like the the system that they're that they're doing with this. It's different. It reminds me of Swotor. There is a item that you would get that you would sell to a vendor. I believe that's how that worked. And you would get your credits. You would get your your credits in game. And so this kind of to me harkens back to that as well. And so yeah, I like the way they're doing it. It's different. It's cool. And quite frankly, all this is truly opinion and, until. And I guess it'll forever be opinion, but until we can get in and test. And I think that that's been kind of the overall theme for everything we've talked about today, how all these things are in place, but we won't know until we sit down and all the players and we test it. And then we can really give that valuable feedback. I know we'll be covering that feedback on our channels. And, and I just, I look forward to it, truthfully. I do too. And uh, folks, like we were saying, we, we can't hit every single one of these. We could literally have an entire show on every one of these questions, oh, yeah. especially if Sonny was here and we were, we were all like bouncing things back and forth between the three of us. But if you have any comments on any of this stuff, then man, shoot us, shoot us an email. Um, 
if you have not seen the entire thing, there's some really good like roundup videos on this. Vladis had a fantastic roundup video, and that's that's really how I was able to get through and like summarize, even though I watched a majority of it. But Vladis did a really good video on it, so that's that one's on YouTube. It really summarizes it. But go back and watch it. Um, Stephen, as we've said before, is such an eloquent speaker when it comes to stuff like this, and he just has like the best the best answers that are you think are rehearsed but are just not rehearsed he's just that he knows his game so well and the devs know the game that when they get into discussions like this they really are worth watching so you can see what the nuts and bolts of ashes is going to be agreed well thank you everyone so much for tuning in to to uh, lore forged and uh, thank you so much for pushing play. If you enjoyed yourself, tell us how we are doing. We want to hear from you. If you would, please take a couple minutes after you're done listening episode and just tell us how we're doing. We really, really would greatly appreciate it. For every five-star written review that we get from iTunes, for, I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, we will read it right here on the show. And we got one here from Spinward from Canada. I know that face. The Loreforge team are fantastic podcasters. It's like hanging out and listening to a bunch of your best friends shooting the breeze about your favorite game. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? That's nice of them. Thank you, Spin. Yeah, thank you, Spin. That's that nice was awesome, everybody. man. Yeah. Really cool review. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can always call us, too. 516-875-1776. Leave your voicemail. We can play it right here on the show. Hear your voice on the show, and we'll answer your question. Try to keep it a minute or less if you'd like to be a part of the mailbag segment. And, of course, you can always email us contact at loreforge.com and go to the website loreforge.com is loaded with a bunch of written content that is all surrounding and dedicated to ashes of creation it's also the the hub for all of our content is there um our youtube page go to our youtube channel youtube.com forward slash at loreforged where we are populating videos every single week and that cadence is probably going to be picking up here pretty soon. Uh, another thing that we're doing, Sunny's been doing quite a bit of it, but we are going to be doing this show pretty shortly live on Twitch. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv forward slash loreforgedhq. Now, if you want all of our content early and some really cool stuff, including a, an after dark show that we're doing periodically, you can get that on patreon uh and we're at patreon.com forward slash loreforgedhq starting to build a small little community over there which is really really cool and it will get you some really cool stuff too with our discord um we have discord community that anybody can join there are certain areas for the patrons that are over there and we'll get in there and chat with them every once in a while it's pretty darn cool now if you're on x formerly known as Twitter. You can get Jibs at Jibs IRL. Myself is at Cash Quests. And Sunny is at you, of course, aunt. But most importantly, for everything that we're doing and announcements of everything that's coming up, follow the show at Loreforged HQ. And finally, keep an eye out for our announcement of what we are going to be doing for Extra Life 2023. It's going to be pretty cool. We're very excited is super pumped it's a nice so keep an eye out for that friends thank you so much for tuning in we appreciate you have a wonderful week in gaming and we'll see you back here next week on lower forge take care i gotta do it i have to do it. you have to i mean he's not here peace love and honeybees <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>